I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Suspense. The adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Dragnet. And now, Gangbusters. Welcome to the Film Detective Podcast, where we bring you theater of the mind programming from the golden age of radio. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, it's a 1949 radio detective episode of Michael Shane, starring Jeff Chandler. Stick around, we'll be right back. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Michael Shane is a fictional private detective character created during the late 1930s 
by writer Brett Halliday, a pseudonym of Davis Dresser. The character appeared in a series of seven films starring Lloyd Nolan and Hugh Beaumont. The Adventures of Michael Shane Detective came to radio in 1944, starring Wally Mayer with Louise Arthur and later Kathy Lewis as his assistant, the blonde and gorgeous Phyllis Knight. The first series lasted until 1947. In 1948, a new Michael Shane series hit the airwaves, starring Jeff Chandler, who, on another network, was simultaneously playing bashful biologist Philip Boynton, Connie Brooks's object of desire on Our Miss Brooks. The series billed Shane as that reckless, red-headed Irishman and was set in New Orleans. Produced in Los Angeles, it was syndicated to stations nationwide until the early 1950s. In 1958, a 30-minute TV pilot was shot titled Three Men on a Raft, starring Mark Stevens as Michael Shane, but it didn't sell. Then, in 1960, a new Michael Shane television program began on NBC with Richard Denning, formerly of the series Mr. and Mrs. North in the title role. This hour-long show ran at 10 p.m. Fridays opposite CBS's The Twilight Zone and only lasted 32 episodes. In this 1949 radio episode, Shane is hired by a beautiful blonde to pay off a blackmailer. Here's The Case of the Gray-Eyed Blonde, starring Jeff Chandler in The New Adventures of Michael Shane Detective. I eased into the alley and waited. Pretty soon, a side door opened and out came Helen. Just as I got to her, I heard a noise behind me. I started to turn around, but too late. A king-sized comet exploded over my right ear, and the ground came up and hit me in the face. The New Adventures of Michael Shane, Private Detective. This is your director, Bill Russo, inviting you to listen to Michael Shane, that reckless, red-headed Irishman, back at his old haunts in New Orleans. Another transcribed episode. We call it The Case of the Gray Eyed Blonde. Yeah, let's see. Maybe Trinidad. Yep. Men. Yeah, where's that folder on the Virgin Islands? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Come in. And then maybe Havana on the way back. Sloppy Joes, girls, and... Well, hello. Michael Shane? Mm-hmm. Hello, Mike. Oh? Helen. Helen. Hey, sit down. Thanks. From the looks of all those travel folders on your desk, I'd say you were planning a trip. No, just taking a poor man's vacation. Reading travel folders? Well, probably almost as much fun as actually taking the trips. I doubt it. Is uh, something the matter? Matter? You've been looking at me sort of... Oh, I've never seen gray eyes like that before. Oh. Make quite a dent, gray eyes, red lips. You uh, come to talk about trips? In a way, short ones. Oh, cigarette? Thanks. Well, I have a match. Thanks. Uh, trips. Yeah. 
You run errands, Mike? Errands? Friends, what kind? Well, I made a mistake quite a while ago, Mike. Big mistake. I've been paying for it ever since. Regularly. Blackmail. Mm-hmm. One more payment, the account's closed for good. So? So, I want you to make that last payment for me. Tonight. Uh, just for my own information, Helen, you're not by any chance asking me I'm to... I'm not asking you to kill anyone, Mike. That's good to know. No, this is all on the up and up. Here are two envelopes. The instructions are in this one. Instructions? Yeah, where and how you're to meet the uh, man you're to meet. Uh-huh. When you do meet him, you hand him this other envelope. In return, he'll give you a small package. You bring that back to your office, I pick it up here. Uh, how would I go about getting in touch with you if anything went wrong? Well, I don't expect anything will, but in case of emergency, try my hotel. The Donna. Uh, you know, I just remembered a charge I might have to make in this particular case. Oh, what is it? It might be for you to have dinner with me or something. Dinner or something might be arranged, Mike. You'll take the job? Sure, why not? I'll pay you $100. I'm sure you'll earn every penny of it. In a moment, we'll return to the new adventures of Michael Shane and the case of the gray-eyed blonde. those gray eyes of Helen's, I don't know. At the time, there was something awfully compelling about them. Plus, everything else about her, from a honey-colored hair to her alligator sling pumps. Plus, of course, the fact that I'd just gotten my license reinstated a couple of weeks before, and that hundred she was offering looked like a lot of good living for a change. So, when she asked me to take the job of making a blackmail payment for her, I said yes. After she left, I opened the instruction envelope and read them over carefully. It was so thorough, I knew whoever this guy was, he wanted to be awfully sure he had the right party. I arrived at the indicated corner of Barrack Street ten minutes before midnight, ten minutes early. The street was deserted except for a little red and white peanut wagon that a small olive-skinned gent was pushing down the street toward me. When he got to me, he stopped. A peanut, senor? No, thanks. They are fresh, senor. You're working kind of late, aren't you? Si, senor. These peanuts, senor, they are the best. Uh, tell me, you, uh, seen anyone around here in the last ten minutes? A man? Oh, you are looking for someone? Yeah, in a way. Then perhaps while you wait, senor, some peanuts. Uh, no, no, not now. Thanks. He gave me a very unhappy stare and then shrugged his shoulders and pushed his cart around the corner and out of sight. I started walking down the deserted street. My footsteps echoed on the pavement. It was darker than I thought it would be. No streetlights in this section. I kept trying to look over my shoulder, but I couldn't see anything. I knew that somewhere in that block, somebody was supposed to tap me on the shoulder, and I was wishing he'd hurry up and get it over. I was almost at the end of the block now. Still, nothing had happened. The building ahead of me on the corner was getting some work done on it. They had the front boarded up and had a boardwalk in place of the sidewalk. The street side of the boardwalk was boarded up, too. It was like a tunnel... I took a few steps into the pitch-black tunnel and stopped. Something started bothering me. For a moment, I couldn't figure out what it was, but then I got it. Somebody was in that boarded tunnel with me. Before I could do or say anything, a hand slid across my mouth, and I could feel the muzzle of an automatic against the side of my neck. Brilliant boy that I am, I got the idea that mum was a word. Then the hand left my mouth and slid down and started going through my pockets. 
Pretty soon it came to the envelope I was supposed to deliver. Patted the envelope and slipped it back into my pocket. Well, that I didn't get at all. Then the gun pressed a little harder onto my neck. I suddenly knew that his finger was tightening on the trigger. I dove for the ground, the gun went off. Red hot poker seared the top of my head and then... Blackness. After what seemed like about a month, blackness started to fade. It faded still more, started turning to white. I knew I was in a hospital. Then I spotted some bars across the windows, and I got a strong hunch it was a receiving order to the prison hospital. I tried to open my eyes more, which was pretty hard to do, because my head at this point felt like two little men were playing ping pong with a hunk of hot lead. But I did manage to see someone bending over me. It was Police Inspector Lefebvre. You're not going to die after all, hmm? What odds could I get? You were lucky. Just got creased. That's lucky. Looks like you had a little argument with your sidekick. Pretty one-sided argument. Look, Inspector, maybe you wouldn't mind telling me what this is all about, huh? That's funny, Shane. I was just going to ask you that. Huh? Mr. Graber, will you step in here now, please? Yes, Inspector? Mr. Graber... I want you to take a good look at this man. Either one? I can't be sure. He might be. It might be what? Look, I'm the one that got shot in the head, if that's... Just what you... a minute, Shane. I'm going to tell you something you might possibly already know. At this point, what I know is just a drop in the bucket of what I don't know. Mr. Frank Graber here is a vice president of the South Atlantic Exporting Syndicate. Ever hear of him? Yeah, yeah, they shipped to Cuba, South America, lots of places. I did some work for them last year. Yeah, I know. What's that got to do with... Coming to that. Day before yesterday, there was an unusually large deposit to be made. So large that Mr. Graber here himself started out with it. Something like uh, 60000 wasn't it, Mr. Graber? Sixty-two. In $1,000 bills. Yeah. Well, Mr. Graber never... Suppose you tell him what happened, Graber. Well... I went out the back door of the office building, and it wasn't until I opened my car door that I saw the man sitting inside. Had his hand up to the side of his face so that I couldn't get a clear look at it. But in the other hand was a gun. He forced me to drive down near the river, made me get out of the car and go into an abandoned warehouse. There he hit me over the head with his gun and took the money. That's too bad. But outside of welcoming you to the battered heads club, I still don't see that what... That guy could have been you, Shane. What do you mean? We found one of those $1,000 bills in an envelope in your pocket. About then, a lot of things started making sense. Why that guy in the dark wanted to be sure the envelope was in my pocket before he tried to kill me. Yeah, it looked like somebody was very interested in having me found dead with some of that robbery dough on me, thus getting me elected as chief suspect. But I knew it was going to be a tough story to sell the inspector. He ushered Graber out of the room and then came back and stood beside the bed, slowly shaking his head. Oh, I don't get it, Shane. Not three weeks ago, you were telling everybody what a good boy you were going to be if you could just get your license back. So they give you your license back, so here you are, right in the middle of something that smells to high heaven. Look, Inspector, I'm going to give it to you straight. It was a frame. No sale, Shane. Believe me, it's the truth. A girl named Helen... Oh, I know it sounds phony, but it happened. She gave me a song and dance about hiring me to make a blackmail payment for her. But what she really wanted, she and her boyfriend, I guess, was to have me found dead with some of this dough on me, thereby taking the heat off. Uh -huh. I suppose you can back up your story by producing this girl. I can try. 
Still not buying. Look, Inspector, I've always cooperated with you. Yeah, well, that's the only reason I'm even listening to you. So now I need a break, a big one. You can give it to me. The only thing I can give you is time. And not much of that. How much? The next way out. I know that. You're not exactly alone, though. It's 7 a.m. I'll give you until 10 o'clock tonight. Tonight? Have a heart. That doesn't give me... I said 10 o'clock tonight. Make it midnight, then. Okay, 10 o'clock tonight. And Shane. Yeah? That's it. One way or another. Funny thing about the inspector. He always meant just exactly what he said. So I had something like 15 hours to find one woman in a city as big as New Orleans. A beautiful woman with gray eyes who had almost done a very neat job of fitting me for a coffin. I lost two of those 15 hours getting part of my strength back and talking the doctor into giving me my pants. The only thing I had to go on was what Helen had told me about reaching her at the Hotel Donna. The desk clerk there remembered her just as soon as I mentioned the gray eyes. Oh, yes, sure. Let's see. Helen Collier she was registered under. Not bad. No, not bad at all. Uh, was registered? Yes, checked out first thing this morning. About six, I guess it was. No forwarding address, huh? No, asked her, but she said none. Well, thanks anyway. Might ask one of the cab drivers out front. Yeah, I'm going to. Thanks. It didn't take me long to find out that none of the three cab drivers in front of the Hotel Donna could have taken Helen. Because none of them came on until seven. But I did get the address of the driver who worked nights there, and ten minutes later, I was pounding on his door. What do you want? Are you Joe, the cab driver? Yeah, why? You have a fare this morning about six? You woke me up to ask me that? Beat it. Hey, hey. come on, Joe. Open up. Look at friend. I don't know who you are, and it's just the way I want to keep it. Now, suppose you... I'm not leaving until I get an answer from you. A girl about 5'4", gray eyes at the Hotel Donna. Where'd you take her? I don't know what you're talking about. Now, beat it. Get your foot out of the door. Okay, we'll go inside. Hey, 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 what's the... Now, look. The more you talk, the more I'm convinced you did take her somewhere. Now, open up. I've been through too much on account of that gray... Look, I tell you, I don't know what you're talking about. If you're trying to cover for her, you're making an awful big mistake, Joe. A mistake that could put you behind bars. Uh, she paid you to keep your mouth shut, huh? Okay, here's ten to open it. Look, from a friend. Be smart. Keep out of this deal. It's too late, Joe. Here's the ten. Open up. I got more than that for promise. Look, I... I haven't got all day, and ten's all you get. Maybe that's too much. Maybe I could beat the answer out of you and save myself a ten spot. Uh, now, which just... is it going to be? Okay, okay. All right, now, you picked her up at the Hotel Donna at six this morning. Yeah. Where'd you take her? From a friend. Let me give you a tip. Don't hold your breath till you see her again. What do you mean? Where I took her was the airport. In a moment, we'll return to the new adventures of Michael Shane and the case of the gray-eyed blonde. It all started when a gray-eyed blonde named Helen hired me to make a blackmail payment for her. Only I found out too late it was a frame. I got shot in the head and woke up and found myself accused of a $62,000 robbery and was given just 15 hours by Police Inspector Lefebvre to find Helen and clear myself. So far, all I'd found was she'd left the Hotel Donna at 6 that morning to go to the airport. Well, I was out there now talking to all the ticket clerks. Finally, I found one who remembered her. 
Yes, uh, surely. Uh, Those eyes of hers will be hard to forget. Well, which plane did she leave on, do you remember? Let's see, I... uh, New York? No, that wasn't it. Come on, come on, try to remember. Now, wait a minute. Oh, I I remember now. Don't tell me it's that plane that's taking off out there. No, she didn't leave at all. What? No, uh, bought a ticket to Havana. Midnight plane. Tonight. Well, at least I knew she was still in New Orleans. Of course, finding would be something else again. And then I got an idea, a long shot, maybe. Right now, the welcome mat was out for anything that would pass for a starting point. I went back to the Hotel Donna and over to the desk clerk. Yes? You uh, remember me? I was in here a couple of hours ago asking about that girl with... With the gray eyes, yes. You uh, really got it bad for her, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but she hasn't come back, and I told you she didn't leave a forwarding address. Uh, I know. Look, uh, her room, has it been straightened up yet? Well, probably not. Cleaning girl's a little slow. We're thinking of letting her go at the uh, end. How about letting me in the room for a look around? Oh, now, wait a minute. Oh, why not? You've got it bad for the girl, and that's tough, but we can't have you traipsing through that room looking for her forwarding address. It's, uh, <clears throat> against the policy. Whose? Mine. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll make a deal. Deal? Yeah. Now, here's a five. Let's just say I'm engaging the room for a couple of hours as is. Oh, well, now, why didn't you say so in the first place? Here, I'll get the key. My only chance was that Helen wouldn't feel any reason to cover her tracks too carefully, since according to her plan, I was to have been long dead by now. I practically tore the room apart. Nothing. Then I thought of the wastebasket. There were two things in it, a piece of Kleenex with the imprint of a mouth and lipstick and a torn half of a paper match folder. Some printing on it. All I could make out were the first two letters, R.A., and below was the word cocktails. The name of a bar. And possibly, just possibly, a hangout of Helen's where she might be passing time and keeping undercover until that midnight plane to Havana. Oh, but which bar was it? How many of them started with R.A.? My guess was quite a few. But it didn't matter how many. I had to try all of them. I went back to my office. That was a mistake. I dropped into my chair and propped my feet up on the desk. That was a big mistake. I figured I'd just rest a few minutes before I started out. That was a bigger mistake. Closed my eyes. That was my biggest mistake. When I opened my eyes again, I thought something had gone wrong with them. Everything was dark. Then I looked at my watch and almost went right up through the ceiling. Ten minutes to seven. I'd slept all afternoon. I had three hours left. Out. The nearest bar on my list was a place with a quaint name of Rat Race. When I got there, things were already in high gear. I went in and then I knew how the place got its name. The music was tailgating loud, and it all came from five guys in the corner. A few couples were dancing, I guess you'd call it, on a floor about three sizes larger than a phone booth. And the bartender sat at the end of the bar near the musicians reading a paper. I had a tough time making myself heard. What'll it be, Mac? Uh, you happen to know a girl named... What's that? I say to you... Uh... Can't hear you. A girl named Helen, gray eyes, five feet forty, you know her? Oh, yeah, lots of girls around. I don't know, I don't think so. I suppose you've been asking too much to hit the jackpot on the first nickel. Uh, talk louder, will you? No, skip it. I shredded my way through the dancers and the smoke and went out. One down, eight to go. I checked the rat race off my list, went to a place called Rady's in a pretty seamy neighborhood. It was a lot darker than the rat race here and a lot quieter. Hospitable, too. I'd hardly gotten inside before a furnace-eyed brunette sidled up. Hello. Hello. You looking for someone? Yeah, yeah. Here I am. Uh, no, no. The girl I'm looking for is named Helen. Gray eyes. Oh, no, 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 Helen. 
What's wrong with my eyes? They're brown. And eyes. Yeah, so I see. It's like a dance. Have a drink. Hmm? <clears throat> uh, thanks, anyway. So I crossed off radies and kept going. And I kept drawing blanks. Rays, ravaccinis, radio rope. And it got to be after nine, and I could practically feel the inspector's official and heavy hand on my shoulder. My head was throbbing again, and I was getting weaker by the minute. So I guess I was none too steady as I walked down the street. And then as I passed a little red and white peanut wagon parked at the curb, an olive-skinned little gent darted out in front of me. Hey, senor. Uh, oh, you again. Senor, is something wrong? You... Uh, no, no, I'm just tired. Uh, here, senor, have some of my nice peanuts. Nice, fresh peanuts. Oh, no, thanks. You kind of get around town, don't you? See, si, but, senor, they're the most delicious peanuts. They will help I you. I don't want any peanuts, now. But I tell you, senor, they're fine peanuts. They best peanuts this side of Havana, senor. Can't you understand it? What about Havana? Senor, what have I done? What have I said to a friend? Please don't let me go. What'd you say about Havana? Nothing, senor, nothing, nothing. It's just a place where I was born, senor. Havana, my home, that is all, senor. Do you know Please. anything about that midnight plane to Havana tonight? No, senor, I swear it. I know nothing about the midnight plane to Havana, except I would like to be on it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I let go of him, and he darted around to the other side of his wagon. I staggered on down the street. I still wasn't sure whether he'd been trying to tell me something or not. I didn't have time to figure it out. I had to keep going. Then I went to Ramon's, the next place on the list. It was a small place, no music. Only a couple of people at the bar, and the bartender was watching me very carefully. Hello. What can I do for you? Do you uh, happen to know a girl named Helen? Gray eyes? No. Uh-uh. I see. Well, you, you happen to have a light on you? Light? Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I walked back to the door and went out. I was trying hard not to tremble. Because the trail had gotten hot, very hot. That bartender had been just a little too quick to say he didn't know Helen. And if I needed any more proof, he'd given it to me. The matchbook he'd used to give me a light was the same kind as a fragment I was carrying in my pocket. Yeah, I knew I'd finally found the place. I went around the corner, eased into the alley, and waited. Pretty soon a side door opened, and out came Helen. Hey! Hey, wait a minute! Well, hello, Mike. You really shouldn't have, you know. Found you? Mm-hmm. Better look behind you. Oh, no. That's too old a gag to... In a moment, we'll be back with a thrilling climax to tonight's Michael Shane adventure. I guess the business of one thing canceling out another is true. That hit on the head sort of blotted out the throbbing of the wound. When I came to and found myself lying on the floor in a little room, my head was a lot better than I'd figured. Numb, I guess... I could hear voices. Oh, Two of them. Things to do. I told you and suddenly they began alarm. registering. I couldn't help it, Helen. I had to oh. see you. Well, it's a good thing I did, too. Shane was almost ready to grab you when I hit him just now. Oh, you're falling away. Why didn't you finish the job last night when you had him on the board? I walk? tried to. Oh, coming to. Yeah. Yeah, I've come to. So, trustworthy vice president, Mr. Frank Graber, is the big boy of the deal. Now, you shut up, Shane. I might get an argument as to who the brains really was, Mike, but it 
Doesn't matter now. Pretty neat. Grable walks off with the money and tells the police a fairy tale about being robbed. Then the two of you nominate me for the fall guy. Graber's supposed to kill me, so I'll be found with some of the dough and therefore become the chief suspect. Only Graber misses. Figured it all out, didn't you, Mike? Well, Frank, I guess there's only one thing to do. Yes. And I knew what that one thing was. I knew I had to think fast and act fast to prevent that one thing from happening. If I could just divert their attention from me long enough for a dive at the window or door. And then I thought of something. Something that might possibly take their minds off me for just a second. Come on, Frank, get it over with. I, uh, I suppose you've told Graber about that plane ticket, Helen. What? Uh, to Havana on the midnight plane. What ticket? Oh, he doesn't know what he's saying, No, no, Frank. no, wait. What ticket? Don't you see? He's just trying to upset you. You bought a you... ticket on the midnight plane to Havana. Frank, I didn't... You were going to run out on me. Oh, don't be You're safe. going to take all that money and run out on That's me. That's not true. I told you I wasn't. I guess I knew all along, Helen. Only I just wouldn't face it. But I guess I knew all along. What are you talking about? I knew. All the time you were telling me you loved me. How we'd wait until the heat was off, and then I'd retire on account of ill health, and no, we'd take the money and go to South America and have a wonderful time. Frank, All the time you were telling me those things, what? I I knew you didn't mean them. I knew it. I wanted to believe it. I wanted Frank, you're to. you're all wrong. You kept I meant... working on me. You finally got me to do this thing. Because you were like a disease. Frank, you were in my blood. Not... Now you were going to run out on me. But I won't let you. No, Frank, that's not true. It's too bad. No. You won't get to use that ticket. Helen, my darling. Suddenly there was a gun in his hand. It was pointed at Helen, and I could see she didn't believe it, but I did. I dove at him, and just as I hit him, the gun went... Helen slowly sagged to the floor. I got hold of his wrist, but I was off balance, and he was bringing the gun slowly around toward me, and and then just as it got to me, I twisted as hard as I could, and we both went down, and the gun went off again. Then the gun... Dropped out of his hand. Just sort of crumpled over and lay still. I stared hard at the widening red stain on his coat. Right over his heart. Well, I got a call through to the inspector right away, and he sort of took over from there. And that was just about that. With all the loose ends tied up one way or another. Oh, yeah, except one, that plane ticket to Havana, the one Helen had bought. Nobody seemed to know quite what to do with it, because she'd bought it with her own money instead of the robbery dough. Of course, I had an idea what to do with it, but, well, I gave it up after a while. I, I guess the little peanut vendor needed it more than I did. Of course, I didn't just give it to him. It was strictly a business deal. Yeah, I traded him the ticket for his peanut wagon. So now, if the detective business ever gets too tough, well, I've always got a sideline. This is your director, Bill Russo, again. Our story is based on characters created by Brett Halliday. The music is composed and conducted by John Duffy... And Michael Shane is portrayed by Jeff Chandler. The New Adventures of Michael Shane is a Don W. Sharp production, transcribed in Hollywood and distributed exclusively by the Broadcasters Guild. Next week, you'll hear Michael Shane in another thrilling adventure from mysterious and colorful New Orleans.
That's the new Adventures of Michael Shane Detective with The Case of the Gray-Eyed Blonde, starring Jeff Chandler, as originally broadcast October 26, 1949. Next time on the Film Detective Podcast, Edmund O'Brien stars as freelance insurance investigator, yours truly, Johnny Dollar, so don't miss it. To learn more about this series, visit thefilmdetective.com. See you next time.